Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Entmoot, a Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and it's been a while, hasn't it, since the last episode. It's been, I think, over a month now, so uh, apologies for the delay, but obviously this tourna- uh, this podcast relies on me going to tournaments and uh, I've had a very, very busy uh, couple of months, so uh, it's been uh, it's been fun and playing actually been playing some local events which has been great but I've finally managed to uh, find a weekend or at least a day free to head off and uh, and well throw some dice in anger on the uh, tables at a tournament so this podcast is all about Middle Earth in Middle England this is a very small event uh, it's actually more targeted at a local community uh, in Kettering in the sort of Middle England uh, centre of uh, England um, but it's with a kind of view to getting new people involved in the uh, in the game uh, involved in the system and maybe uh, play some sort of uh, some games just in, in a friendlyish way uh, to help help ga- I suppose gather gather around some uh, some more Middle Earth fans. Um, I'm a big fan of Middle Earth, and this this sort of event is really up my street. Um, I love a, a bit of theme. I love a bit of a uh, bit of fun, um, and especially like talking to uh, new players about what gets them uh, gets them ticking and what gets them into the game. So hoping that I'll be playing uh, a couple of uh, newbies this tournament and smashing them gloriously. Of course not. Uh, no, I'm I'm actually using this tournament as a as a chance to try some uh, an army that I haven't really used before, uh, or certainly not in uh, in any great uh, depth, um, in particular on my own, especially. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, uh, the setup of the tournament, as I say, Middle Earth, Middle England, very friendly. Um, only I think only around ten or so people going. Uh, three games in the course of one day, so it's going to be a short podcast this week. Um, but it should be uh, just as fun uh, because there's a few little nuances. There's just a couple of extra special rules, uh, just to just to give people a bit of a bonus and add some fun to proceedings. So, uh, without much further ado, uh, I'm going to get onto the lists and explain uh, these special rules. So, the special rules uh, for the tournament are, it's 700 points, uh, and the good armies have an army bonus, which is an additional bonus to your normal army bonus, and you get a hero who counts as uh, a banner. Uh, Not the physical banner, but as a banner, uh, so three-inch normal banner, um, and this can't be your leader. So, basically, this is a great bonus for many many good armies. kind of a basically a 25 point saving isn't it really uh so hero and a hero who always gets a banner is always a good thing so that's interesting and the evil uh, bonus is that every troop gets plus one courage uh, everyone gets plus one courage um which i suppose could be uh, could be very useful uh, certainly in uh in some of the uh, sort of more troop heavy armies i was actually very close to taking a an, an army of of camels and uh, people like that uh, the mahud raiders and and whatnot uh, but i realized i don't have enough Mode raiders uh, to actually make that worth doing because that's one of their massive downsides, isn't it? They've only got courage two, so uh, making it a three that would that would maybe make it a bit more interesting. But either way, I settled um, with what I think is a bit of a filthy bonus. Actually, the the good army having a, a second hero uh, counting as a banner. So with my good army, I'm including King LSR Aragorn, King LSR, fantastic, great point sink um but also uh, an absolute uh, absolute champion of course as you very well know of course on a horse uh, he's leading uh, a warband of 10 um he's going to lead six knights of minas tirith 
two citadel guard on horses with bows and two fountain court on foot with shield so um so you can see uh, forming there we've got a lot of cavalry already so so that's eight cavalry plus uh, lsr plus two two foot guys and in an allied contingent this is uh this is quite fun i, I think this is this is something i've not tried before certainly not in this combination i've got four long on a horse four long the fat and eight knights of dolamroth with lances on horses so, uh, in total, that meets 16 mounted troops and two mounted heroes um, and two fountain court. And then I round that off with a bolt thrower with swift reload, bringing it up to a nice round 700 points. Now, I'm just taking this purely to try it out, really, I'll be honest. Um, I, I kind of, I'm not sure how well it'll do. I think in some situations against some armies, it'll be absolutely devastating. Um, other, other, but I suppose the big downside is it's very elite force. Um, you know, twenty-two models, so that breakpoint could be uh, could be an issue. And um, I have got a lot of might. I've got six might there, and of course I've got Aragorn. So, um, so I'm not so worried about the kind of losing that charging bonus, uh, as it were. Um, but I guess it does rely on uh, LSR and Forlong to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting um, in terms of uh, getting that movement and, and not spreading the lines too thin and things like that. Um, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, the the Knights of Dol Amroth and the uh, Knights of Minas Tirith with those lances could be pretty pretty scary um, against most things. I'd have thought even even against Iron Hills and all that sort of stuff. I'll be I'll be be quite uh, yeah I'll be quite happy to happy to have a go against something like that. Um, but in terms of what I what I'm going to struggle against, I mean anything that's fight five. So elves are going to be a pain. Um, uh, well, yeah, any, any heroes, big heroes like your bogs and p- people like that, they're always going to be a struggle. Um, anyone who's who's sort of rivaling LSR like your your big elven heroes, um, that's going to be a problem, I suppose. But like I say, this is to try something a bit different. Uh, I've not used it before. Um, I've not used this idea before, and I love the idea that Forlorn gets a banner effect, LSR gets a banner effect. So we're going to have uh, a good, uh, massive banner effect, really. Uh, so I'll be covering um, six inches either side of uh, Aragorn and uh, three inches either side of Forlong. So, you know, in total, we've got about 18 inches worth of banner. So that's pretty cool. So I think everyone will everyone have a banner effect, which is going to be amazing. In particular, if we get pinned down, those banner effects are going to be really useful for the knights um, once once the lines have clashed and, uh, and if any uh, charges fail particularly badly. Um but the the aim of the aim of the army, I think I'm going to be play it quite cautiously because although they get a massive hitting power, I really uh, I've included the bolt thrower because I want to have an idea that you've got to come to me basically. Um, I know it's only 24 inch range, but the bolt thrower once it does its damage, it's pretty brutal. So um, I did toy with doing a trebuchet because it's got the long range, of course. But uh, I thought bolt thrower, this is going to be more fun. Uh, so bolt thrower, uh, and it, it's got that potential of sort of you know um, sniping heroes and sniping banners and just churning through troops um, like nobody's business. So hopefully that'll bring people to uh, uh, bring people to me, and then I can pounce on them with all the cavalry. Uh, but of course, the best laid plans. Um, uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure what'll happen, but I'm pretty excited actually. I'm I'm pretty confident, but I guess with it being a slightly fun, um, themey, uh, well not themey, but uh, just a fun uncompetitive tournament, um, I suppose there could be some uh, curveballs thrown in there in terms of uh, what armies people are building. I don't know. We might see a Sauron. We might see uh, something like that. So that would be quite cool. But we'll see what happens. Um, it should be fun either way. Um, so anyway, anyway, I'm gonna I have to pack all my stuff up. 
uh, and get ready to head to the uh, head to Kettering. Uh, but first, it's time for the return of Riddles in the Dark. So last episode's Riddle in the Dark was by far the uh, most difficult one I've done yet uh, for the uh, riddles because I just decided, well, you know what, I'm fed up everyone getting it right all the time. So I thought I'm going to really try and stump, uh, stump you because... I thought, well, you know, let's be honest, we're all fans of The Lord of the Rings here, we're all fans of The Hobbit here, so, you know, I can't make them too easy. Uh, Little did I expect there to be so few responses, I'd have to put out an extra appeal on Facebook just to get a few more responses. I was shocked and appalled at the state of affairs uh, last week, but... It was okay because I did get some uh, correct answers from you all. So very, very well done uh, for the answers of the Riddle in the Dark, uh, including um, uh, correct answers from people, including Dan Broxholm. You said, after much hair pulling and screaming, I found it. Extended scene from the two towers, of course. I'll reveal the full answer in a second. Uh, Tom Hawker got in touch. You're wrong, Tom. You're wrong. I'm sorry. You said it's when the three hunters come out of Fangorn. It isn't. It isn't. Good try, though. Good try. Thanks very much for getting in touch once more, Tom. Uh, who else has been in touch? Sam Hoodie's been in touch. Sam, thank you very much. Uh, you've been in touch, and you say, is the answer to the riddle of the dark? Merry. He's always followed me everywhere I went since we were tweens. I would get him into the worst sort of trouble, but I was always there to get him out of him, just like Fred and Sam. That should cover it, he says. Sam... Sam, you're not even close. I'm not even convinced they say it all. He says all of that in the films at any point. But uh, I'm, you, you're probably right. Benny Gonzalez, fire! You've got it. It took me. It took you a minute. It says, but you got it in the end. Well done, uh, well done, Benny. Thank you very much for getting in touch once more. Uh, and of course, the famous Zorpa Zorp man himself, Lachlan Linton Keane. Not to disappoint his uh, fandom on uh, YouTube. There, if you've not heard of him, check out Zorpa Zorp Gaming on YouTube, and you'll find out a bit more about that. Um, great videos and great uh, battle reports and everything. He, of course, has got it right. Uh, well done, Lockie. Well done, you. You've uh, you've done yourself proud there. Um, and that is is it for Riddles in the Dark this week. Oh, wait a second. Maybe I should do the answer. Here is, of course, the answer to last week's Riddle in the Dark. So I played a clip that went something like this. And this, of course, is the full clip with who spoke next and what they said. Final count, 42. 42? Oh. Bad for a pointy-eared elvish prince. Anyway, well done, well done, everyone uh, who got in touch. And if you didn't get in touch, maybe you'll have a better look this time for this week's Riddle in the Dark. So, here's the clip. You just need to tell me who speaks next and what they say. One more time? Yeah, I think that's fair. Ah! 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 
Okay, one more, one more go. Here you go. One more time, and then uh, we'll give you the details. So if you email in endmootpodcast at gmail.com, email your answer to there, so who speaks next and what they say, uh, and then you'll get a good shout-out next week on the podcast, uh, or next time on the podcast, I say. I keep calling it next week, but uh, they're definitely not weekly this way. Uh, either way, uh, next time on the podcast, uh, you'll get a good shout-out, endmootpodcast at gmail.com, if you think you know who spoke next in this clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit trilogy. And of course, what they say. Excellent. Now, I guess it's only a matter of time before I actually need to put LSR and Forlong into action. So let's, let's get going. I'm heading off to Middle Earth in Middle England. I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! Game number one, to the death, um, and uh, I'm playing a, well, a, a veteran of the game that I've played many times before. It's Sam Hoodie. Hello. Hey, hey, mate. You all right? Yeah, good, thank you. So, um, we've played before, and uh, so far, I think our... I've, I've managed twice to... in doubles, and then you managed to beat me when Sauron like basically floored me. Yes, this was in the Battle of Unnumbered Tears in uh, the fourth episode of the podcast, or fifth, I can't remember which way around it was. Either way, uh, we meet again with To the Death, first round, um, with my Aragorn and Forlong list with lots of knights. First of all, what did you think when you saw the, my list over the table, and did you fancy your chances? I was a little bit nervous at first on the way here because I remember you mentioned you had good team and you also had cavalry and I was thinking, oh, this is Rivendell Knights, I'm in. Mm. But then I saw his Dole Amoth Knights. I'm still a bit nervous because like, they're always quite difficult. They're lances and then you've got some like Citadel guards, you've got, um, you've got else? some Fountain Court guards, so you've got bodyguards which can nullify my ring raids. But it worked out all right. Yeah, we'll go into that in a second. Just, re- re- just give us an idea of your list, because you've gone with all-mounted, all-hero, all-evil. Yeah, I just like thought, what haven't I used in a while? I haven't used Sudadan, because I don't really have much of a red army. Amdara I really enjoy using, so let's throw him in. And I just thought, actually, the way this is working, let's try and make like a council of evil for Sauron. So, Witch King mounted with the crown and three might, three fates, 15 will, I think it was in the end. Um... Shadow Lords, who's there basically just to keep my horses alive from shooting on the approach, which really helped in that game. Um, Gothmog's there for his master of battle and also for his hatred man, which was also incredibly useful against this. Um, the Suodan's there for banner effects, which counts VPs and also just give me like some nice rerolls. And Ando's there for hero killing slash pinning down heroes. And it, I must say it was it worked tremendously. Although I was very lucky, even though with the uh, the Paul of Shadow, I got a great role to kill Suladan's horse in the first turn, which was awesome. Um, and two cheeky wounds as well, and a couple of cheeky wounds. But you, uh, I, I just completely forgot about Compel, and I made a massive miscalculation in the second turn. I'd been calling Resolve with Aragorn, sitting back on the baseline with the uh, bolt for hoping to get a few lucky shots, like I did. Um, 
but I, I, I didn't call resolve when the lines were about to clash because I wanted Aragorn to be able to do, do some moving. 13 inches away, so it's just out of range. So yeah. Safer, well, I thought I want to do some moving just in case you, uh, you'd come forward and I can maybe pick someone off. But forgot, no resolve. You compelled a Knight of Minas Tirith out with the Shadow Lord and then proceeded to gang I think him. It was Gothmog and, uh, and the Witch King pounced on him. Yeah, and then from there it was heroic combat inevitably and pounced onto uh, yeah. Forlong. I called a heroic strike, which like, like put the red herring out there to make you think Aragorn's in danger. You called a heroic strike there and then pounced on Forlong and mugged him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything with Forlong either way, so I mean, I could have heroic strength, I think, but I don't think he even has strike, actually, thinking about it. If I have a look, uh, where is he? No, he doesn't even have strike, so I couldn't call anything with him. But anyway, um, you ganged up on Forlong and... I mean, I'll be honest, I, I do think you got a little lucky because you only oh, yeah, threw no, a one or two, was it? That. Was it one or two guys into him in the end and you got a triple six to wound him? Yeah, and I was um, like, Gothmog ah. used a point of might, I think, to get rid of his horse. Yeah. And then Ando came out with triple six to wound. So that was that, really. So Forlong went down in the first turn and from there, it was an uphill battle because there was only one hero that you can... Um, compel and um, immobilise and things like that. that. I think I had a very unlucky turn where I lost a couple of horses and failed to wound anything and then didn't get the charge off the turn after and I thought I was in trouble. But then it suddenly spun around and I won every fight and killed like six guys or something. I, th- I think the crucial thing was you kept immobilising Aragorn. Aragorn didn't yeah. get a chance to... I don't think he killed anything in the game. He, didn't get to do he won a couple anything. of combats, but he was just... Out, I mean, you've got two ring waves. I kept calling heroic moves, obviously, but then you've got the master of the battle. So, um, so you know, a lot of them went to you. Oh, I won a lot of those, yeah. Yeah, and then you had Shadow Lords sort of hovering around, immobilising when you needed to. I lost my will fairly quickly. And that was that, really. It was, that I mean... Was, that was it. Yeah, I got a sap will off and got this six when, like, I think you chose to just try and chance it. And, yeah, I got jammy. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't sure whether I could just... I'd had three wills, so I could have res- tried resisting with it all to resist that sap will and, and thought... Lose it anyway. I could have spent it all doing it and then not... Then you, Yeah, so it was a bit of a, a, a coin flip, but I, it was a risk. But then, you know, it was eventually going to happen if you keep immobilising me, I was yeah. going to lose my will. Either way, uh, Sam, really well played. You ended up winning 12-0 completely. The last turn, you managed to take out Aragorn um, after ganging up in with Amder, Gothmog and the Witch King. So um, did the work... But um, Gothmog got like six wounds, I think. No, yeah. five, I think. There was a lot. There was yeah, a lot of wounds. Was a Hatred of man. Yeah, vicious ruin. And you didn't even need to call um, the time of the orcs come or anything like that. So, oh, oh yeah, I forgot because it benefits him. But anyway, either way, Sam, uh, brilliant game, twelve nil. Um, you've smashed me. So you're on to on to the next uh, the, for the rest of the tournament. Best of luck with it. I'm sure I'm soaring far too high, far too early, and we'll crash out the next run. I'm sure we will. We'll find out. Either way, good game. Cheers, mate. So game number two, capturing control, and I was against Jake. Uh, Jake, first of all, can you just describe your list? Because you've got quite a few nasty heroes in this. I have indeed, yes. Um, so basically I've got Thorin, King of the Mountain, who's my leader. Um, he's quite a good leader because he's got, obviously, three attacks, five, six, and a three hook combat mm. every turn. It's not very nice. Um, and then with him, oh, he, he's on Goat as well. He's mounted on Goat. All of these are mounted, yeah. Yes, they're all mounted, yeah. Um, then I've got Dwalin. Um, I've got... Dane, I've got Thranduil, and I've got a captain. Um, Iron Hills captain, isn't it? It's an Iron Hills captain. So he's also on a go. In <laughs> he's on a go, and then he's leading four goat riders. Right. So this is a, a very hero-heavy list. You've got ho- over half of your army as heroes, and guess what? What was left? The heroes were the, the ones. Heroes were left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what did you think first of all when you saw uh, all of these um, knights of Dol Amroth and knights of Minas Tirith and Aragorn, of course, leading them? I thought. Um, it's gonna, I'm going to have to use a lot of might, let's put it that way, because um, 
it's a difficult one because you've got the banner that's the main thing from Aragorn which is obviously six inches but then you've got the other banner from Furlong yeah. which is so it's a lot of bannering um, and with it being capture and control and obviously being all mounted it was very hard for me to try and keep you in one corner mm. I think I'm just managed to do that but that's all I had to do was try and keep you in one corner and you try and run around yeah, and I think I think probably my the way I uh, opened up the game was by staying in the staying in the back for a bit and firing bolt throwers at everything. So I was kind of playing catch up towards the end, but that bolt thrower was absolutely lethal. It was very very horrible. It got um, Thorin, Dwalin, Dane, and the captain all off of their mounts. Yeah, and I even took a couple of wounds off someone or one, a wound I off a couple. Did, yeah, I can't remember now, but you, you definitely did, yeah. Uh, so they did some damage and then I killed uh, an iron, uh, a goat rider as well with a bolt thrower. So I think the bolt thrower did almost all of the work in this. It did actually, yes, it yeah. did. Yes. Um, but having said that, and because of that, I think I left it. All of my cavalry were wait a bit too slow off the mark to get the objectives across an objectives game. And although I managed getting two... Uh, two of the objectives on your side of the battlefield by that point there was a big melee in the middle where those heroes just would not die I just kept losing no defence eight dwarves um, even if you knock me prone it's still very hard mm. still very hard to kill them yeah even with those lances and, but of course the main thing was that um, I think Forlong and um, Aragorn were slightly towards one side of it so I didn't get the banner effect all the time yes. and also the, just the, the fight value advantage you just, you just kept getting the sixes and I just that, I that was it really yeah yeah um, with this list, it's if you roll the sixes, there's not really much your opponent can mm. do, to be honest. Even with Aragorn, with his three point of might, it's still very hard. Yeah, and, and ganging up on Aragorn eventually, you know, with Thorin and uh, Thranduil and Dane, and eventually took him yes. down. It was it, once once that happened, it all started falling apart. Well, you did get unlucky with your three fate rolls. What a one, three, and a one, I think. Yeah, and this by this point, I'd sort of pretty much used up all my might as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's true, but I, it just showed that as soon because I was feeling quite confident for throughout most of that game yeah. until Aragorn went down, and then suddenly the whole army just fell apart completely. Definitely did, yes, yeah. definitely did. So it's quite reliant on that. But in, in terms of the the objectives, did you have a particular strategy? Because um, I noticed you you captured all of your side's objectives straight away and then moved over. So was your idea to build a line, a battle line of sorts, to block me off at the beginning of the game I just wanted to hold my objectives get them and then just push as far forward as I could so you're as far away from my objectives um, but obviously with the with the bolt thrower it's very hard to do that because you're manoeuvring out of the way of so you can shoot as much as you can mm. um, so it's kind of like see what see what you do as and when you do it sort of thing yeah, it was a tough one because there's that, and it, this, the terrain, I mean, the board is absolutely glorious. We've got a dead mummock and we've got some lots of scattered woods, but there were quite a lot of avenues of fire, especially with this objective. I basically put it in the, in the middle almost, so it had a direct line of fire down the three central objectives. Yeah. So it was scary, and I think it was inevitable that, that you were going to lose some people oh, or yeah. at least some um, mounts. But as yeah. soon as those lines clashed, of course, I couldn't really do anything with the... No. Uh, the main one was I was, I was just hoping that the pig with a defence six with two wounds was just going to hold out before he can get into combat so he couldn't shoot him but obviously he didn't um, yeah he was the first target to be fair yeah. I, I thought right I'm going to need a couple of turns potentially to shoot that depending on how lucky I'm with the rolls but no went straight down he did yeah straight he down. did, he did yeah. hog roast for dinner that's it <laughs> yeah. but either way uh, it ended up being a, an 8-4 victory to you Jake uh, you, you broke me and uh, you killed Aragorn I didn't manage to get anything off on uh, uh, Thorin d- despite a last minute charge by Dol Amroth yes. I got two objectives but just wasn't enough and in the end you, you tabled me completely so well, 
well played, Jake. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. So game three, the final game of the tournament, and it is hold ground in the centre, and we're playing George. And George, first, could you summarise your army? Give us an idea of what you've got here on the table. So it's just a high elf list. It's got Glorfindel mounted. It's got the twins mounted. And it's got Eris on foot. Eris is leading a warband of 12, and Glorfindel's got five Knights of Rivendell. So this is quite... It's another uh, hero-heavy army, which... Uh, so the third hero-heavy army I played, but this one... Uh, I, this one was going to be an interesting one from the start. There's lots of cavalry. Uh, I'm going to be, I was always worried about higher fight value. Um, what did you think when you saw my army? Did you fancy your chances? Um, when I saw your army, it, I thought it depends all about the deployment. Mm. Especially yeah, at Maelstrom, Yeah, Maelstrom deployment. Yeah, yeah um, I knew that if I could somehow get the jump on you, it would be a lot better. When we deployed in two completely different areas, it was slightly different. Uh, but yes, just to describe the deployment, you ended up all on the, uh, your, your side of the table, basically. Yeah. I ended up with my guys coming on on the east and some of the guys coming on the separate. So there was no kind of uh, catching each other out, really. Yeah. No, it was just a basic, you kind of ran around, put your army together, and then we met in the middle. Yeah. And then, of course, there was, there was a, lo- a lot of combat. There was a, co- a lot of sort of dancing around each other for a while and sort of measuring yeah. out the, the charge ranges with Glorfindel's 12-inch charge and all this sort of stuff. But eventually, the lines clashed. I decided, right, I'm going to go for Aragorn went into the, uh, the high elf line while the Rivendell knights were sort of tucked away around the corner so I thought yeah. right this is my chance I can send in the knights hopefully take advantage of the, uh, the cavalry charges and, and knock a few of these guys over and kill them before the Rivendell knights get in and it sort of worked yeah um, the main issue you faced was Aragorn after killing the first two bounced off the same two elves what two at times least, yeah at least and I spent a point of mind in the first one just to get that um, heroic combat through uh, yeah and then he kept bouncing off these two guys with shields which was very frustrating for Aragorn he's not really delivered at all this tournament having said that uh, when it came to the end it was uh, he, he certainly helped um, but just just give it, walk us through the, the, the sort of final few turns here because it ended up being a very close tense match after we churned through the, uh, the each other's troops basically so Erister died in the second turn of combat because one Knight of Delamroth really would not let him go and decided to roll lots and lots of sixes and fives. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think perhaps sensibly you thought, right, I'm not going to mite these, uh, these ones because, I mean, he's probably going to survive a couple of turns or at least the first turn. Well, yeah, it, he, he'd already used one might uh, earlier on simply because he wanted to not fight. Cheers. <laughs> Being wussy, yeah. Basically, Arrested was being wussy. He spent one of his might, and then he got, he got pinned down and skewered like a pig uh, by, by one of this, this particularly uh, vindictive knight of Dol Amroth. Um, and after that, the, the, this was quite early on. This was when Aragorn was still uh, doing his stuff. And although he bounced off those Rivendell uh, 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 spearmen a couple of times, he managed to churn through slowly. So, so what happened next? I, I'm, I'm there churning through the, um, some of the guys. How, how did that progress from there? Um... Well, simply, the twins were just slowly eaten away at the Dol Amroth knights on the kind of left flank of the fighting, while the knights and Glorfindel came in for the right. The knights didn't do that well. They died, but they took a time to die. They didn't die immediately. Glorfindel just kind of went around the back and started slowly working his way through as well. All of my foot elves died quite quickly, mm. and my knights weren't that far behind, and Erisur had already been dead. So I was literally just left with uh, the three of Glorfindel and the twins. To be fair, 
of all the three that you could be left with, they're not bad. <laughs> not bad. And they proceeded pretty much to churn through every single one of my nights. Um, the two Citadel Guard on foot, uh, everything, uh, or Fountain Court on foot. Um, and then there was this slow, kind of dramatic change from where I was thinking, I've got a lot of models on the field, I'm killing you, to this situation where I was like, oh, it's becoming like heroes on heroes. And we ended up with this fantastic, tense moment in the middle where the, the came. Ca- kept carrying on and we kept kind of killing one person each or two people each and um, whittling it down so there was a very even number of people around that centre objective and what was happening there? Yeah uh, the twin so there were a couple of guys still left alive in my time which just kind of kept Aragorn busy kept a couple of knights pinned for a turn etc while my heroes went two on ones three on ones every now and then and just churned through them Uh, towards the end I started my pins started dying because that's what they were meant to do, but because I was kept on killing my heroes and the game kept going on, and the game kept going on. It was like what five or six rolls, no one or two, which worked for me a lot. Um, and it just ended up that it was Glorfin down the twins, and I think there was a shield guy left versus Aragorn, two a knight, a citadel guard, a fighting court, four long, and then. And it was one, like you said, one a turn just died. There was this interesting moment where Aragorn, um, uh, basically, finally, it came down to the heroes. There was uh, a couple of Knights of Minister of Less, Forlong, who'd been unseated. Aragorn still on his horse. He um, pinned down one of the twins who's on his foot, and he massacred one of the twins, which left us in an unusual situation where we had to use the, one of the other twins' special rules. While remaining were Glorfindel, uh, who was on foot at this point, uh, Forlong on foot, Knight of Ministerith and Aragorn and of course the, the other twin had to charge Arag- or I had to charge Aragorn, uh, the twin because I knew he was going to pin me down anyway and then there was a heroic challenge because you have to yeah special rule for the twins if one dies the other one has to heroic challenge the enemy hero if they killed the other twin so it was a heroic challenge between Aragorn King Alessa and one of the twins which the twin then won the first combat of. Yeah, it was amazing. I, you know, I had four, four roll dice, so I was charging. I had the knockdowns. I had all these things going for me. Um, I ha- didn't have a strike, to be fair, so therefore I, I couldn't do it. But even so, I didn't even get a six. So it was brutal. And then you chopped his horse from underneath him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't help that you failed both fate. Yeah, but that, that was fine. I was kind of okay with that because the final shot you had at wounding the, uh, wounding the leader uh, you didn't manage to materialise but then by some pure coincidence some fluke of nature um, I managed to win against Glorfindel and basically I, I could almost see a tear in your eye at this point um, because the knockdown from the Knight of Minas Tirith meant that Forlong was with his strength 5 was battering Glorfindel to death and it became I think 5 wounds in the end on him it was yeah it was I think it was 5 wounds because it was the four dice from Forlong. I was thinking, strength five, defense seven, he needs fives. Four dice, you know what, if he gets one or two, I'm still surviving. Then you rolled three, and then with the knight, you rolled another two. And I was thinking, ah, okay, maybe you can't survive this. And then, of course, the fate 
and the rest, I suppose, is history. And it ended up being a 10-1 victory to me with 3-1 on the centre objective. But an incredibly tense and massive turnaround in that last turn. I mean, I've never seen a, a game swing so dramatically from what could have been an easily been a draw to, uh, to a 10-1 victory to me. But either way, George, it was a fantastic game. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I agree. So, Will, uh, at the end of a, only a short day's gaming, three, ga- three games, you've managed to come out as victor. And I'm just intrigued at what your list was. What, what, what did you bring today? Yeah, so today I took a sort of alliance of sort of the Mirkwood Rangers. I've got um, a bunch of Rangers with Tario and Mirkwood Katzen. And on the other half, I've got foreign uh, with leading some iron royers. Uh, so it's sort of like a mixture of sort of really strong high defence dwarfs with sort of both far in the back. Seems to be quite a popular combo in the uh, the new edition. Actually, I've heard lots of people coming up with various different ideas of things like Khazad Guard with um, backed up by Lothlorien and and the the, Mer- the Merkwood. I say backing up those. It seems like a pretty strong combo. How, how did you find it? Did you manage to win all your games in the end? I did. Yes, I was. Um, I was quite surprised. I came into this. It's not an army I've used a lot recently so I was quite wary I wasn't sure how I was going to do but I found it worked really well I mean we talk about the strength of the dwarves in combat but the rangers are perfectly capable of mixing it in as well right. the bonus attacks they get for charging multiple models this comes in really handy and you said it was Tariel you chose rather than a sort of massive big hitter like I don't know Thranduil or, or, or Legolas but Tariel again can hold yeah. her own definitely uh, Tariel's amazing uh, the reason I chose her was a lot to do with might. I was over her and the Katzen or Frandrill. Frandrill's obviously a lot better in combat, but it's um, two more might I'm getting like this. And I need that might to cool her at moves while not draining the com- might from Tariel. And it also lets me to almost do suicide runs with her when I need to. I, can, I don't need to worry about not getting her killed because she's not my leader. Mm. She can just go in and there's a lot less sort of heroic strikes to go against her. So I can really play dangerously with her, which I love. Right, almost playing it, sort of throwing her in and hoping to draw maybe some might out of the opposing heroes, that sort of thing. Exactly, I mean, that's what happened in game one. Um, I need to kill their leader for to the death uh, scenario. I just went straight for the orcs. I had no heroic strike, so Tyrell could sort of deal with it on our end, essentially. It's fantastic. And, and in terms of the... the the weaknesses of the army like I, I guess you've got a fair fair amount of low defence did you find that a problem? Um, when they get into, when things start things, things start um, going wrong it do, does but because with else you win combats as long as you win the combats it doesn't matter too much so that comes back to might making sure that you're allowing yourself that might to keep calling heroic moves to keep sort of in control of the board I think and, and some of the, the, the scenarios we played, you know, there, there was a, a kill-heavy one and an objective one and, a, and another objective one at the end. So, and actually, your army seems like a, a probably more balanced than a lot of the other armies that have been here. I mean, the, mine was quite low in um, numbers and quite elite. Uh, others have brought sort of almost all hero armies, but yours seems quite a balanced list. And how many models did you have in the end? Yeah, so it's 35 models in total. Mm. I think that's important to get good balance because you can get, make some really, really strong army lists mm. for a certain scenario when you get like Rick and of all hero and you're going to lose. So if you're going to go into something trying to win all the games, you do need that sort of healthy balance. Yeah. Were you coming to try and win the tournament? Because it's only a very small tournament. It's more yeah. friendly, more relaxed. Because yeah. you mentioned this is an army that you've never played before. Is this something more trying out something different? Yeah, I mean, I've, tried, I've, I've done Rangers before, but I've done the Dwarf and Ranger mix. It's something um, I just love 
like heroes like Tara, which is my favourite profile in the game, it was very much fun intended. I didn't actually expect to do very well, to be honest. So um, I'm just pleasantly surprised to get three wins. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to me and well done on the win. Yeah, real. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, as one of the organisers of Middle Earth in Middle England, I know it's kind of a family affair almost, um, Paul, uh, you put on this event, and it's only a small event, and not, not huge numbers of people here, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in the ethos behind this event, because you seem to have approached it with a different, I suppose, angle the, than other tournaments that I've been to, in the sense that it's perhaps directly more friendly and ultimately less competitive. Is that, is that the idea? Well, absolutely. We are trying to build our local community in Northamptonshire. Middle England in, uh, Middle Earth in Middle England. The Middle England part comes from Middle Angleland. Middle Angleland is Leicestershire, Warwickshire and Northamptonshire. So it, we, you know, we're, we're being a bit cheeky there and saying that obviously Lord of the Rings is about the middle of England and it was from Saxon times. Because actually the rules are very much like Dark Ages and mm-hmm. as a historical player I kind of that resonates with me. Family affair, absolutely. I'm lucky I've got two boys to enjoy the game with me um, and we play every single week. Uh, I'm lucky to be able to play at home in a garage. It's brilliant. Um, and uh, build a local community up. But as you'll have heard from the discussion we just had before we came onto the podcast, people spend a lot of money on models. They spend a lot of time painting them up. And some players just want to play for the fun of it. Uh, and at some tournaments you get the, the, the really good uh, players that are fantastically skilled, they really know what they're doing, and, and that can put other players on who are mid-table or lower table from wanting to come along and pay lots of money for an event. So here we try to do it for a fiver, perhaps a tenner, literally just to cover costs. Um, it, it's, it's friendly, we, we, it is competitive because your army on the table you want to win, everybody wants to win but we know that in, we're trying to bring the newbies along, the people that are, are on the verge of do they play another game system, let's keep on going on Lord of the Rings um, and, and literally just, just let happy people have fun with the models that they spend a lot of time on. And I suppose there is an element of that, uh, you know, the, the idea that when you go to a, if, for, you know I I'm, I'm, I'm try and win as everyone does but when you go to some, some big competitive tournaments, you know if you get a couple of batterings you do feel a bit demoralized especially if if it's been a game that's really not gone your way and you've had to take off droves of your models off the table it's not a great experience for anyone but I'm in it really for the painting I've always been in it for just because I love sitting and painting models and there's nothing worse than going to a tournament and seeing all of those models that you've painted just get absolutely battered so having a bit of fun and taking it a bit yeah thinking about the competitive nature of it but also just having fun with the game and enjoying it is it's a wonderful feeling it is a friend of mine called tim who's who's locally he said to me once he went to play a game uh he hadn't played before and the guy he played had played all the while uh, and he got an absolute battering it, it was a it was a three hour four hour game uh, and the other guy said that's brilliant did you enjoy that and tim said no why well I don't know the game system. You do. You've just really had an ego trip of thrashing me. I've not really. You've not helped me understand the game system. You've not helped me want to play again. And frankly, I don't think you'll ever see me play you ever again. It was not fun, um, and that resonates. So it's it's got to be fun for all. Uh, you know, you do spend a lot of money on these models, um, uh, and uh, why shouldn't we just enjoy? I mean, painting. That's what I do. It. I like painting. But also, this game system, I like Lord of the Rings, but this game system is so addictive. 
and you you know when you play it a few times you can put it on the table get a game done or even two games in an evening and you're still thinking through it you're thinking of the tactics the strategy mm. it's addictive mm. I think that's the crucial thing about the Lord of the Rings and the middle of strategy battle game is that there, there's so many little um, niggles of, of strategy that you can always think over in that game so you think oh, what, why did I allow the ring wraith to compel me out and then bounce off me and destroy all of my stuff you know that sort of stuff and there's little things and just one little moment can change a game whether it's a, a valiant hobbit somehow unseating the witch king for from his horse and killing him or something like that you know and I love that about this game that it, the, the little things make a difference and even though yes there are moments where you can have an absolute mare and have all of your models taken off in a turn it's very rare so I, I, I love that about this game and it seems that the the game is kind of built in a way that helps the, the theme and all that sort of stuff. So um, I love that. And, and this, these sort of tournaments and events that are built around this uh, work really well for that. So I guess uh, my question, after a meandering thought there, um, is what kind of stuff would you like to do in the future in, in a similar sort of vein? Well, um, there's lots of themes, lots of ideas. Again, we were talking about it before um, you, you recorded this. Um, we're looking at it. Some people want to do a Gondor at War Day. Why not? Brilliant. Uh, gives everybody the chance to paint up their Gondor and their Mordor models um, uh, and then think of the different ways you can organise a day. One big table, a series of tables, um, a mini campaign day. Oh, loads of ideas. Scouring of the Shire. Shire. I'm just about to collect my book. It's got a lovely campaign in it. I've, I've, I've watched on YouTube and unboxing. Uh, is it Zorba... Zorpa Zorp, yeah. Zorpa Zorp. Lachlan Linton Keane. Yeah, yeah, brilliant guy, very excited. And uh, yes, I I loved his presentation, well done. Um, And, you know, I'm looking forward to picking my book up and and buying some ruffians and getting my hobbits out. But there's there's so many ideas that you can do. And actually, that's that's a a fair point. You know, now we've got uh, these upgrades, we've got, you know, whether it's the Pelennor Fields box set, whether it's, like you say, the two, two scenario books now, the campaign books. The game has so much scope for theme and thematic days that it seems almost a shame to be playing those same 12 scenarios. Although the scenarios are varied and fun and when you're playing against different armies and different people it it still is rewarding and fun to play. There's so much scope in this game to have those different days. I'd love to be involved in more of those, definitely. You're more than welcome. I mean, uh, we have a lovely hall, newly refurbished, fantastic facilities, toilets and kitchen. There'll be a few pictures going on on YouTube for anybody who wants to look at it. Um, It's small, uh, but we can get 16 players, perhaps a few more comfortably in here. We don't really want more than that. Um, We're trying desperately to grow our local community but also to attract people like yourself who are willing to travel an hour, an hour and a half um, and make it welcoming for you. You know, a cup of tea, cup of coffee, donut, ice cream. Hey, it's fun day. Yeah. Mm. Um, And and try and take the the big C of competitive and the big F of fun in. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I really appreciate what you're doing, Paul, and, and everyone in, in the hall, I think it's uh, safe to say, has had a great day. So it's been a pleasure meeting you again and, uh, and having a few games. And a pleasure meeting you as well, Harry. Thank you for coming. Cheers. And with that, on a Saturday, of course, means we popped off for a bit of dinner, uh, a nice beverage or two to round off the day's gaming. Uh, thank you again to all the Tysos, uh, the Tyso family, uh, father and sons, who have put on this fantastic event, Middle Earth in Middle England. I really enjoyed it and well done to all the uh, players who I played against and who thrashed me uh, and also to George for that very close game at the end there as well Um, I know this has been a very short podcast Um, it's not quite uh, 
what I would have, what I really would like to be doing in these podcasts. I really want to be doing big ones, uh, big epic tournaments every time. But life gets in the way, as I'm sure you understand. Hobbying isn't always the priority that we want it to be. But um, I thought I'd bash out this uh, this podcast just for you uh, for this episode um, and for this tournament as well. So uh, I was glad to get down to Middle Earth and Middle England, especially to talk to George about the. Uh, the ethos behind it and just to encourage people to do this sort of thing so uh, very exciting and in fact uh, while we're kind of on the topic of uh, this kind of ethos um, I've been doing something very similar in my local area in Lincoln in the UK and um, I'm it's it's basically it's a slow grow league so I mean we've heard of battle company campaigns and other people doing various different things like that but a bit of an idea for you if you uh, if you're trying to encourage people to get involved in the scene where you are and maybe you've struggled because of the you know the big costs involved in starting but um, I've had some great success actually in starting a slow grow league here in Lincoln um I've got nearly a dozen people really interested um, in the tournament, uh, in the game, sorry, um, based purely on the idea of starting a league uh, where, you know, you start by building a little army of 200 points and then two, three weeks later, uh, you build that up to 400 points and then a few weeks later, we're going to build that up to 600, then 800 and then finally finish on a thousand points. So um, I just thought I'd throw this suggestion out there because uh, for two reasons, basically. One, because I'd really like other people to do start up these leagues because I've, I've been amazed at the success of this league um, here at Imps Gaming in Lincoln because um, there were a couple of people who'd been very interested in uh, Lord of the Rings and Middle-earth strategy battle game when the Pelennor Fields box set came out. There were a couple of people who bought it and, you know, built all the sort of soldiers or, or, you know, had a look at it, took it out of the box, had a couple of games and then kind of lost steam, uh, I guess, because whether it was the number of people playing or uh, as is sometimes the case with Games Workshop and indeed any other miniature company these days... Uh, something new shiny comes along and maybe replaces emphasis on you know one of your previous games and and it can fall by by the wayside and end up underneath the bed or or whatever or end up on ebay or something like that well i found that this 200 point idea 400 point it's got some guys really really keen um i've got at least i think as i say at least 12 people really interested uh, so i'd re- highly recommend it all we've done like i say 200 points um an incremental increase every few weeks give it people time to paint them give people chance to sort of work on the list get used to their armies and all this sort of stuff and it's working really well and uh, the reason i kind of want to bring it up is because i'm almost certain the next podcast is going to be about the uh, slow grow league because i've been talking to the guys that i've been playing against as part of this league so so far i've had a few games um but about halfway through the league i'm definitely going to do uh, a little podcast roundup of what it's been like so far at 600 points i think or maybe 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 400 500 points i'm not uh, well 400 it'll be won't it um because uh, later on it'll develop into 600 800 1000 uh, i thought i'd do a halfway point and just have a bit of a chat with people about what they're thinking uh, about the games and how they're building your armies and so on uh, especially because a lot of these guys are going to be new uh, so it's always worth imparting some wisdom if I have any, uh, uh, to these guys and uh, just getting an impression from newbies in the game what they think of it. So uh, that's probably going to be the next episode. Uh, that'll be uh, number uh, episode pod, uh, Entmoot podcast number seven. I think we're on. Or is it eight? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, that'll be the next episode. And then after that, oh, it's going to be a biggie. It's going to be a biggie because Ardacon is on the horizon. 
Um, those of you who don't know, Articon is the biggest um, tournament in the world, basically hundreds of uh, people uh, from all over the world travelling to uh, Manchester for Articon, and I'm going to be doing plenty and plenty of coverage of of that, uh, hoping to talk to both people in the doubles tournament uh, I'm teaming up with Jasmine, who you may have heard uh, winning tournaments on this podcast before. Uh, her and I have got a great uh, army combo coming up, uh, and also in the singles, um, the main event as well. So it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Hoping to talk to uh, people on the, some of the fringes as well, in terms of some of the events and the talks they've got going on, and just a bit of a chat with uh, everyone involved, really. So hoping to do a bumper, well, probably not just a bumper episode, maybe a couple of episodes out of, out of it actually, because I'm really looking forward to Articon. I'm sure many of you are as well if you're listening to this. So uh, anyway, a bit of a rambling end to the uh, podcast, a bit of a shout out also for my own tournament Lord of the Imps this is in Lincoln in October Uh, there are very few tickets left Uh, I've got a 40 um, cap on the event and so far I think I'm on about 36, 37 uh, reserved and paid for tickets so only a few more spots left um, but of course there will be a few dropouts Uh, everyone not everyone has paid yet so uh, so there will be a few so uh, feel free to get in touch just search uh, well get in touch with me email me if you want entmootpodcast at gmail.com or uh, have a search for the uh, GBHL, the Great British Hobbit League, and it's down as an event on there because it's going to be earning some points towards that league as well. So lots of exciting things about uh, the tournament as well, lots of custom scenarios and uh, a little bit of a different way of building your army. The army idea is basically you have a general on the first day uh, leading 700 points worth of stuff, and you also select as part of that army a lieutenant. On the second day, the army changes because the general and its warband will die at the end of day one and will be led, the army on the second day will be led by the lieutenant and you'll fill the remainder of the points of that 700 points with whatever you fancy. So you, it could be very interesting and dynamic, especially for uh, the starting scenarios on the second day, which is Contest of Champions from what I remember. So really interesting. Um, a lot of people are really liking it anyway. I think it's interesting. So uh, it should be good fun. So uh, get in touch at at gmail.com uh, for that. And also get at the thingy, the riddle, uh, and also just any other comments would be more than welcome. So anyway, rambling end over. Uh, next episode coming with the Slow Grow League of the Lord of the Imps. Uh, and then Articon time. Anyway, thanks very much for listening to Entmoot. Uh, I've been Harry, and it's been a pleasure. Boorarum. <laughs> <laughs>